that in fact it might be a good idea to do a, a bit of review since we've turned the video on so late. And that is, we're talking about mood swings and how the Buddha related that in the second watch of the th three watches of the night of the comings and goings of beings. In other words, you become something and you be this, and then you don't. You go, you go back to another mood and you become that person who is having that mood. And so this is what we mean by being a crowd inside, and this is what we mean by the coming and goings of beings. And in English language, we use the word mood swings. And now you're beginning to see that the mood, when it swings one way, you're this person. And when the mood swings another way, you're a new person with different views, different ideas, different worldviews, different uh, conclusions. And we're a crowd and we don't even recognize that. And so congratulations, you're beginning to wake up, you're beginning to notice, beginning to what we call do some pattern matching beginning to see the cycle. Normally what happens uh, when someone is caught on a particular place on the cycle, all they can see is that place. Right, right. And it feels like like this is the, the well, normally how it would be before I got into this mindfulness stuff would be like, um, I'd basically forget or I'd tune out all the different people I used to be. And so I'd be like, oh, this is the latest, this is the latest and greatest theory as to the way things are and what I should do and who I am and who I should become. This is it, even if it's like you're fucking negative versus now <laughs> when I'm able to see like the different ones and how some of them are much more positive and some much more negative. Like this current one is actually pretty delusional compared to a, pr a number of previous ones. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, Congratulations, you're beginning to see the cycles that we're in. This is what the Buddha talks about and is well known in the word of Samsara, the wheel of life, the wheel of the emotional swings, the wheel of sometimes you feel like a nut, sometimes you don't. I mean, this is the whole thing. Can we see those cycles by drawing out of them rather than being caught in it? So when we're at the low part of the cycle, we don't like it, but we think that we're going to be there forever. And then the cycle changes and we come half up and we say, things are looking pretty good now. And then we'll be on top of the world for a moment. And we like that. And then it spins down and it says, wait a minute, I was on top of the world. Why am I heading back to the disaster? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And we are just constantly on this emotional roller coaster. Exactly. Until we begin to recognize that this is what we're doing to ourselves. And it's just um, it's just stories, isn't it? It's just I'm just telling myself a new narrative. You're exactly right. We're just telling yourself a new narrative. And then basically what it means is, is that we're telling ourselves a long story. OK, and in that story, the guy gets his foot caught. And then later on the story, he jumps on a horse. And then later on the story, a tree falls on him and the horse. And then later on the story, a beautiful girl comes and pulls the log off of the top of him. You know, and just up and down and up and down. That's what storytelling is all about. <laughs> Sometimes, I mean, if you had a, um, a movie that had a hero that absolutely won without a doubt, without a challenge, every single thing, that movie would be a flop. They wouldn't make any money off of it at all. 
the movie has to have those ups and downs to have the thrill. Makes okay, it the thrill, the thrill of the chase, the the maybe he maybe he dies. Okay, and that's the funny part about American movies is is that the guy who was introduced as the hero of the movie is always still alive at the end of the movie. Very rarely do they ever kill off the hero. But they put him through hell. (laughs) (laughs) And he comes out victorious anyway. So that whole cycling thing. Now, sometimes movies are not like that. That, in fact, uh, one of the movies that I've just seen recently, or at least part of it, is called uh, The King's Man. Uh, And it was about a man and his son. And the man was openly a pacifist. While he ran a secret organization that was actually trying to do, uh, to end World War Two by um, either keeping Russia in the war so that Germany couldn't destroy England or to get the Americans to come join the war. Right. And so this was the issue about, oh, can we get America in and can we get the, uh, the Russians to stay? Because if they lose the Russians and the Americans don't come in, then the war is lost to the British. OK, so this is the background for the story. Well, deep into the story, the son gets killed. And he looked like he was the star of the show. And that was very confusing. But what it was is it was then a turn of the story so that then the real the father's real points could come up and he became the champion. He the father was the hero all along. And I went back to review it. And yes, the father was the one who was introduced first. So it was a kind of a twist. Yeah. Yeah, they they set it up for the son to be the hero of the movie. And then three quarters into the movie, they kill him. Mm-hmm. So this is the whole way that movies operate. Well, guess what? We kind of live our lives the way that movies operate. We give ourselves a whole lot of trouble and turmoil only to come out of victor after all anyway. So live your life that way. Live your life as if these turmoils that are just up and down don't mean a thing. You're going to win this thing. Huh, yeah, you're I, you're the I, hero I, of this movie. <laughs> I thought it was interesting you mentioned that movie because like the guy dies, um, the guy who thought was the star of the show dies halfway through. That mm-hmm. could also be like analogous for like the ego, like starting to disappear. Like it's like we thought we're the victor, but the w- victor is just like the whole world. Like mm-hmm. whether you know we're there or not, or whatever part of us is there, and. I really appreciate you mentioning the um, the mood swings as like this rebirth kind of cycle, because that, because for a long time, like I thought I was developing like 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 borderline personality disorder or like something like fucked up, because it feels like you're becoming like different people. It's very like disorienting. You don't know who you are, where you start, where you end. Everybody but, who like, has a personality has a disorder. Mm-hmm. And is never borderline. <laughs> All personalities are a disorder. And what do I mean by that is, is that that's the coming and the going of the being. The being is that personality. 
and it comes and it goes. Sometimes you feel like a nut, which is one being, and then sometimes you don't, which is another being. That's the coming and going. And the combination of these things is what we refer to as personality. Right, 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 yeah. Okay. And what we need to do is to come step back out and see that's just a cycle that I'm in. Why do I have to create a personality at every different point of the personality? If there's 360 degrees in this circle, why in that cycle do I have to be 360 different people? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why do we need to go through the effort of like reasoning like our whole worldview to fit with this new particular emotional state or this one belief that destroys the other beliefs? Because like mm -hmm. if my old belief was that, I don't know, I'm this person doing this to get to here. And then one part of that changes. I have to change the whole thing to fit this new thing. And it's like a lot of stress and effort to try and remember all those details about yourself and recreate your personality to, to be mm -hmm. newly effective with the new information. Like it's just a lot of effort. Well, the effort... There's there's way of lo looking at it. Mostly our effort is tainted with personality, the taint of being. And that right effort is just enough effort to get the job actually done. And the extra effort that we put in or not enough effort is dependent upon the personality. This is why um, some people take it to heart when Goenka, for instance, says you've got to work, you got to work. OK, and some people will hear that and say, righty, oh, let's pick this up and just take it off and, and go do the thing. But most people knit their brows and get tight and they have to work like they were like mm -hmm. uh, the the idea of a first grader when the teacher or the aunt or uncle says concentrate on your homework. And instead of just doing the homework, the child will sit there and knit his brow and hold his pencil very tightly and, you know, just yeah. like that and put ourselves into that kind of mental state, which is not what we're looking for. That concentration, the way that we would specify it is uh, an attribute in, in uh, our practice of Anapanasati would be the repetition over and over and over yeah. and over and over just, again but we can do it over and over again lightly we don't have to pound our fist every time yeah. that's the and then and then you burn out obviously afterwards you pound mm -hmm. so hard then you burn out now you're forgetting for hours straight it's just a tiny little bit like running a marathon right not a sprint mm -hmm. right exactly so uh, anapanasati should be run like a marathon because it's your whole life as opposed <laughs> to a sprint like a sitting for an hour in meditation yeah, who wants to be like knitting their brow and like concentrating their whole life? Yeah, mm -hmm. it's not sustainable. So this is a way then that we have to look at these mood swings is to start recognizing what thoughts are we having at this particular point in the cycle that's going to move us further along in the cycle. What kind of thoughts are we having? In other words, when you uh, when you feel sad, what thoughts were you having that brought up the sadness? When you felt tired, what were the thoughts that brought up the tiredness? When you're anxious, what were the thoughts that brought up the anxiety? And sometimes you begin to see that some feelings actually create the thoughts. 
just like some thoughts create the feelings. An example of that is when one is physically ill or physically tired, or there's a, um, let us say, a strong sensation uh, that we'd be, we would call pain, like maybe he just broke his arm or something like that. That it, I don't know if you've ever been in, in blunt force trauma, but having been on motorbikes, I've been through plenty of blunt force trauma. And the thing that's really amazing about it is, is that we lose our mind. We can't think. The body goes into a state of, um, uh, what do you call stress? Or, uh, But it's not really stress because it's not stressful. It's, it's a shutting down. It's um, uh, a blanking out. It's um, a way of, actually the word numb is the right yeah. word for it. Yeah. We, because of the uh, the blunt force trauma, then the the pain of the shock, and so we we will go numb. All right. So there are these many different mind states that can happen one to another. So let us say that numbness is going to be someplace upon that cycle, and we will go into numbness sometimes. Or another one that I was about to mention, and that is physical tiredness, because as an old man, I begin to recognize that that age has a whole lot to do with with tiredness and so when i feel tired i can then have the kind of thoughts instead of oh poor me i'm getting old i'll want to die soon into hey i'm tired right now i can handle that i don't know what the future is going to be i might not be so tired later but when people get really tired, you know, wake up really tired in the morning and they say, oh, the whole day is shot. I'm going to be tired all day. And then they'll get a call from someone and they perk right up and they've forgotten that they were tired. <laughs> oh, man, I've, I I saw that happen to me today when I was I started the day in a really good mood. I went out for a for a run and started thinking negative thoughts and got myself into a bad mood. And I could see the whole trajectory of my day going that way. And then I saw, wait a minute, this has happened to me so many times. Why don't I just change this narrative? And I started focusing on the positive stuff instead. And obviously it was very painful at first because my mind, like it had that negative momentum, like a huge chunk of it. was. You have to take that (laughs) effort, don't you? (laughs) Yeah, I was like, what the hell are you doing? This this is how things are like. And I was like, nope, I'm sorry. And I had to go through that effort. But then it, it changed the trajectory of my day. I ended up with a pretty like decently good day obviously with lots of ups and downs but it's Mm -hmm. better to have ups and downs than all down exactly that's the whole point is is that we can recognize that things are in a cycle and you do once you recognize that you're in these cycles you have some control over these cycles before when we're caught in this cycle we don't think that there's any way that we can control it this is the victim's (laughs) attitude that I am doomed to be a nut. Sometimes I'm doomed to not be able to be a nut because you think that they're not out there. But here we're recognizing that these cycles that we're on, we're actually creating that cycle. Yeah, we're playing an active role in it. Yeah, it's not Mm -hmm. just like magical thing that's happening. No, it's not a magical thing at all. This cycle of samsara, we're creating it. And we don't even know that we're creating it. And around and around and around we go. 
And sometimes that circle can be in five minutes. Sometimes it can take days to go through that cycle. But we keep going through these cycles over and over again. And so this is what the Buddha says to wake up to. Wake up to these negative thoughts and be able to change them because that means that we can alter, we can, um, alter these cycles. We can change them. You can paint it from red to green. With the thoughts that we have, if you can remember that you're in charge of those thoughts, you can take the right effort to change them. So here's a curious question that comes to mind. Um, where is the distinction between ill will towards oneself and the wisdom to change oneself? The ill will is saying you want to change without changing. The wisdom would be saying, ouch, that hurts. I'm not going to touch that again. And you've immediately changed. So the ill will is putting your hand on a hot stove. When you feel that it's hot, you say, oh, you should not have put your hand on the hot stove and you're not going to have to be punished because you were so stupid to put your hand on that hot stove. Keep it there for a while and let it really burn. Mm-hmm. That's the ill will that you put into it, rather uh, than ouch uh, and and remove the hand, throw that thought out of the mind, rather than continue with that thought over and over again, continuing to burn yourself with that thought. So that's the ill will. The ill will gets stuck in 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 the that part of the cycle, stuck in a rut, where in fact you could move on. By saying, ouch, that's hot. I don't need to think about that. I can go think about something that's not so hot at all. Do you, would you say that the, the victim of the ill will creates the ill will as much as the perpetrator of it does? The, actually, there is no perpetrator there, nor is there anyone there to receive the ill will. But what we can put it into is the issue of ego states in the sense that the ill will comes from the parent ego state of breaking the rule. You did wrong, you broke a rule. And then the child suffers from that. Oh, please beat me more, daddy. And daddy will come back in and say, yes, you did break that rule, whack again, okay? And so we get stuck in that little sub-cycle for a while. Hopefully you can wake up to it and says, hey, yeah, I screwed up, but that's not who I am. That's not who I am. Obviously, that's not who I am. <laughs> I'm not so down to get to I think that me for the last five minutes is the whole of who I am. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's not me. That's not who I am. That I can sit here and enjoy that I don't have to beat up myself have the ill will, that I can see that that was hot and I can take my finger off of it. Or I can see that that thought is hot. Let's change that thought to something more wholesome, something cooler. Ill will is having that thought and then dwelling on it and keeping it going just in order to punish yourself, which you are very good at doing. Mm. Mm. 
Okay, so there's the point about the wisdom is, is that wisdom is the freedom from that heat and the ill will is keeping you stuck in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the question is, how soon can you jump out of that cycle? Can you see that cycle of being in state of ill will, hating yourself for it, wanting to improve, telling yourself you can't improve. And so you have that parent and the victim running circles around each other in that ill will, getting all of that heat going on. And as soon as you wake up to that, you can say, ouch, that's hot. I don't have to have those kind of thoughts. I can throw that stuff out. I can take my hand off the hot stove. That's right. That's right. We can replace it with thoughts of joy and mm-hmm. peace. Good, good, good vibes. Yeah, good stuff. Mm-hmm. Let me go look at a tree. <laughs> Why should I be burning my own mind when I can live in a paradise? This is the wake up. This is the sati. This is the recognition to come out of that cycle of ill will. To pull yourself out. Wait a minute, I see that. And that's not who I am. That's right. That's right. That's just one perspective. I can take another one. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not more true just because it's the latest one. Like there's, I can think of a million reasons to why this other one's true. Well, this is, has to do, I think, with the human's mentality about always-isms as opposed to see the dogs are always, that's one of the things that's really beautiful about the dog is that they're always in the present moment. You could beat a dog at 10 a.m. And before 11 o'clock, he's right back just as friendly as he was. He's just forgotten all about it. You beat a human at 10 o'clock in the morning, he's going to be angry at you for weeks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you'll have to make it back up to him as well. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's the whole point about the memory and we cling and we hang on to it. So if I beat the, the, uh, the, the guy at 10 a.m. and then at 11, he's not being beaten. He doesn't see that he's not being beaten. He only remembers that an hour ago he was being beaten. Mm-hmm. So that's exactly what happens with those thoughts of ill will or putting our hand on the hot stove. And then we say it is hot. But then we keep remembering, we keep putting our hand back on the hot stove mentally. It's interesting how like we can use these tools for like good or bad, like we can remember something bad again and again, or we can remember something good again and again, like the Dhamma, we can have Mm -hmm. that sati refreshing us, making us feel good again and again. Exactly. So why is it then that humans spend so much time having negative thoughts when they can have happy thoughts instead. Why is that true? It's because we're trained that way in the society that we live in. Our society trains us that way. And the one place where the the training really gets heavy duty is starting in the first grade. Now, in our society, we've gotten it set up so that people who are not educated by not going to school wind up being 
to a greater disadvantage because our society is so complex. But part of what makes the society complex. Hang on, I gotta go to the complex situation here. This is Panda. Hi, Panda. Speaking of complex situations, she desperately wants to connect with the bigger dogs, but they're all, they're both uh, old spinsters. Yeah. One's 11, the other one is seven. So um, uh, that was uh, Pum Pui. And also this puppy is, um, it looks like a uh, a terrier, a Jack Russell, in fact, mix, which means that they dig and they bite. I mean, terriers are like that. Jack Russells are just so full of energy and whatnot like that, and she certainly fills that bill. And what the the big dogs are, they don't want her nibbling on them. Yeah. And she's and she's there looking for tits to bite. That's uh -huh. the age that she says. She's yeah, only yeah. about six weeks old here. So anyway, I have to go. And I'm really happy that even though I didn't step in there right away, that uh, Pum Pui didn't bite her. She didn't hurt her. She just gave her a great big warning. You don't bite me. You stay away from me. So um, anyway, now that, <clears throat> that that's over, the, the I'll good put her news, back down. The good news is she'll forget about it in 30 minutes and go try to bite her again. <laughs> good and bad, I guess. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so anyway, getting back to what we were speaking about uh, is to see that when we were really little, we take on the society, a very complicated society that we have, uh, but we do it from the same mental positions of the people who were around us. And we're actually taught then to be um, victims. Right. That when a, when a child is, in fact, really, really acting like a superstar, everybody will come and put him down. No one likes to have a little kid who is uh, uh, a great big show off, for instance. Uh, right? I, yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. That we always put those little kids uh, back in place. And so we have to kind of be secret about how wonderful we are. Yeah, yeah. We're supposed to be victims because yeah. everybody else in the society is victims. Excited, like that whole mm -hmm. thing. I've seen that to me happen to other people. Like, yeah, it's 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 a huge. So, if we recognize that we're we're uh, programmed that way from childhood, then we can recognize. Oh, well, I don't have to stay a victim. I don't have to feel like a victim. I can change my attitude, but I can, with Anapanasati, gladden the mind, change the mind that the, the way that the, work, uh, the, the mind works. And then I'm not the same person that I was before. When the mind is clean from all of these points on that cycle, then we could just live our life easily knowing that things are on a cycle, but there yeah. is nothing that, that I'm going to brush up against that's going to pull 
tear my clothes or bust my arm or whatever mm-hmm. like that, that I'm not a victim of this cycle, that I'm, yeah. I'm the one who is enjoying um, the trip. We don't need to live up to our own or other people's expectations. I don't have to have a consistent personality or consistent emotional state because that's, that's not that's not the way it, 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 nature has spoken. Mm-hmm. I've even seen it uh, places um, that a group of people who are critically looking at someone, let us say that this is a Dhamma teacher mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, or a meditation teacher, and they go in with one look and they'll see that he's just engaging as a normal human being. And they'll say, oh, well, he couldn't be a meditation teacher because he is not stoic in the sense of, you know, quiet and fixed, that he cannot be animated. He cannot have any joy or anything. He's got to be like this, a stone Buddha. And, if you, and, and you, so what happens then, a lot of monks say, well, the only way that anybody's going to see that I've gotten any attainments at all is by acting like a stone Buddha all the time. Yeah, yeah. And so this is beginning to get the the, uh, Western mentality of what is an enlightened one is somebody who pretends to be a stone statue Buddha all the time. Right, right. And nobody felt nobody can do that. Nobody even tries to do that. Right. It's like they they have no self, so they have to act like they have no personality, no likes and dislikes. Mm -hmm. Like like they're just this blank slate, like just like super calm, super like relaxed. Yeah. Uh But in a way, you could say becoming and acting like that stone Buddha is exactly the opposite of real freedom. Real freedom is, I've got no personality, I can go do anything that I want to do. Oh, hello, anger, my old friend. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. I don't need to recreate this old personality I had before where I wasn't angry and invalidate this one because this personality likes to be angry and do this. We can mm-hmm. just. I can see it arising in me. That's okay. Like it's it's okay to change. Yeah. And yet in our society, we're not supposed to change it. We think that things can't change. That in fact, in Christianity, that's one of the major tenets of the religion is you can't change. If you could change, you wouldn't need a God or a Jesus or a Trinity or any of that stuff. It's because you can't change that you need all of that extra help. That's where original sin comes in. And who are you to be good? Only God is good. Unless you accept Jesus as your Savior, you're not going to be saved. You're not going to have a good life. You're already broken. That's original sin. Right? And the beauty of it is, is that the original point about that Adam made the original sin, and since then we have all been broken, is not because Adam did it to us, but is is that each one of us becomes our own Adam, and we're the one who construes up again. That yeah, it was original, but it's only happening now when I duplicate it. And what is that? The eating of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. When I see no good and see no evil and just let things be and enjoy the heck out of the reality, then that's one thing. But when I start to judge the paradise that I'm in, is this is good and this is evil. 
which means that we're now judging the cycles. This part of the cycle is good and that part of the cycle is evil. I don't like this cycle. I like that cycle. And that's how we get stuck in it. But when we can draw back with wisdom and see these cycles, then we can recognize all oh, the life is in a cycle. There's so many cycles that things are in. And here I am ignorantly complaining about where things are on the cycle at this particular moment without recognizing it's going to change. Yeah, and it's all the same cycle. Like, and it's you know, all the we same don't have cycle. to call this one, this one back. We can look at like, we can look through our rosy tinted glasses at this part of the cycle, just like any other part of the cycle. Mm hmm. Precisely so. Right. We begin to recognize that these are just cycles on our own and we have a choice at this particular point in time to make a change to that cycle. We can change whatever thought that we have in our mind. We can do something to fix it right here, right now. And uh, there are so many places in the sutras where that's talked about. Then, in fact, uh, um, Robert Cole and I are, are planning on doing another sutta or two. And the next one on our list is sutta number nine. Now, that's an old favorite of mine because this is where Sariputta teaches Paticca Samuppada backwards. Except that that's not all of the sutta, that there is a front loading of that sutta and there are two pages on wholesome and unwholesome thoughts. So even though, so uh, wholesome and unwholesome thoughts is the lead in into Paticca Samuppada. Also, there is a, uh, <clears throat> a sutta, two kinds of thoughts. Sutta number 19, where the Buddha goes into great detail about two kinds of thoughts, wholesome and unwholesome. And then it's mentioned again in Sutta 117, when he talks about right, noble effort. And one's right, noble effort is to change those thoughts from unwholesome to wholesome thoughts. And then you have the Anapanasati Sutta, which talks about gladdening the mind, which is exactly the same thing as taking the unwholesome and putting some joy, putting a spin on it to, to lighten up, to make a change. Okay, so there are so many places in the suttas that this is pointed out. I'm surprised that the whole crowd of Mahasi and all the translators and everything like that hasn't put this stuff together that these sutras are all pointing at the same thing. And that is that you have to make a change right here, right now to the kind of thinking that you're doing. And if you don't, you're just going to continue thinking the way that you have been thinking and not change. That this is the real point about right effort is to change what we're thinking right now. Recognize that this is an unwholesome thought right now and make a change to it. And you're beginning to see that. You're beginning to see these cycles that we're in. So congratulations. You're beginning to see this stuff. Thank Keep you. watching. Keep yeah. noticing. Yeah. Yeah. Keep my eyes on the ball. Mm -hmm. Or at least on the thoughts. On the thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. Keep your eye on what kind of thinking that you're doing. Recognizing you've got a full choice about it. So whenever you say thoughts like, oh, no, it's broken or, oh, no, that's wrong or, oh, no, anything like that's that. Wrong. Catch yeah. those kind wrong. of thoughts. <clears throat> yeah. Huh? I like that you said that's wrong. Like, that's it. Like, oh, no, that's wrong. That's like 
that's like all of them it's blah 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 this is wrong something's wrong it's uh-huh. like and when we have that idea that something is wrong, we get a deep pit feeling in the stomach or we get a tightness in the chest. And then the best thing to, for the meditator, once he's recognized that he's just had the thought this is wrong and now it's affecting his body, he can now start taking some deep breaths with the thought of, well, I don't care if it's wrong or not. That's all right. But that's just a judgment. Things are going to change, no worries, no problems. And so we start practicing right then and there, Anapanasati. And guess what? That anxiety and that tension and that fear that came up when that thought of it's wrong just kind of melt away. But it takes some practice. So you could say in the beginning, it doesn't melt away. And then when we begin to practice, it'll take like 10 or 20 seconds. And then with more practice, it's down to five seconds. And pretty soon we're good enough to where we can do it with the first breath. We could just take a deep breath and that anxiety just floats right away. That doesn't mean that you're going to be 100% free from anxiety for the rest of your life. We're not looking for that kind of thing because if we have that idea, then the next time anxiety does come, oh, nee, I thought I was free from that. And we're back stuck right in it again. No, the, oh, I should, but if anxiety does come back, we say, oh, I've seen you before. Never mind. <laughs> Start again. <laughs> So don't ever get the idea that you're going to be completely free from it. Because that's just setting you up for failure again. Just yeah, recognize, no, the winner's attitude is, is that it, if, when it comes up, I can handle it. I can do that. that. That thought itself, I feel like it comes from fear. It's like you're afraid it'll happen again. So you're like, I need it to be so that it never happens again. But that's because you're mm-hmm. so afraid that you don't have the power to change it. If you have the power to change it, you don't care if it happens again because you can just throw it out. I can just do it again, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's just another fear. It's just a fear, like masquerading as like ambition for enlightenment. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I've got Tyler is waiting for for a call, so I think that this would be a pretty good point for us to finish this. When I think that we've got this point about the mood swings and the cycles that we're on, and recognizing that you are actually beginning to see that cycle. And you can interrupt it anytime you want to, if you have the right effort. Thank you, Dama. So thank you. I really enjoy these calls. I'll call you again in a couple of days, and um, okay. I'm really looking forward to it. Really Excellent. Good. Excellent, Robert. This is really good. I'm glad to see you making some progress. Excellent. <laughs> Feel good. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> okay, we'll see you later. Much appreciated. Ciao. Okay, bye-bye.